Hello, everyone. We're live and welcome to another uh, interview on uh, Tribal Impacts and Analytica's uh, Social Advocacy Series. And today we're delighted to be joined by uh, Shoshana Davis, Head of Thought Leadership and Employee Advocacy for Intel. So a very warm welcome, uh, Shoshana. It would be amazing for you to introduce yourself to the audience, tell us a bit about yourself and, and also um, your social media journey, since this is all about social media advocacy. Yeah, thank you, Tim. So very excited to be here today. As you said, I am Shoshana. And I guess maybe just a little bit of background about me. So I joined Intel about four years ago, when I actually graduated from university, I studied marketing, and I've had lots of different kind of marketing focused roles within Intel. Uh, which has brought me to now, which is, um, you know, I'm running kind of like an employee thought leadership program, essentially at Intel um, for my division. And there's about 60 people that are part of the program. And it's been a really interesting journey. Regarding my own social media journey, it always makes me laugh when people say that. Um, I don't really, I guess I've kind of pretty much grown up with social media. So it's not like a big deal or a big thing to me, to be quite honest. But maybe in terms of the platforms that I use most, I'd probably say I'm most definitely most active on Instagram, followed by TikTok at the moment. I used to be super oh. active on LinkedIn, which I've kind of put on the back burner, which is probably not the right thing to say in a LinkedIn Live, but I'm getting back <laughs> on it, which is why I'm here today. <laughs> There's a red light going off in LinkedIn right now, which I is know, like, so. <laughs> Turn this LinkedIn Live off. <laughs> I don't Why? think the I don't think the founders are listening, but if they are, then uh, then they'll probably boot you off the platform. No, my account's going to be blocked. <laughs> what a great way to start on LinkedIn Live. Um, what? So I have to say, I think Shashana, you're the first person that we've had that said that they're on TikTok. Am I right or am I wrong? I don't know, Tim. Yeah, I think yeah. I think we we haven't had too many people apart from I think one uh, person that were talking about dancing videos on TikTok, but they didn't want to go down there or go <laughs> yeah, down that yeah. route. Yeah, um, but yeah, hardly there. anyone. Yeah. <laughs> so what, don't so worry, I don't do any dancing on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> what's the thinking behind Instagram and then TikTok and then LinkedIn? Because that's quite an unusual um priority order I guess what's the yeah I mean so I've always used Instagram just you know just growing up from f just for myself in terms of a personal account and then recently I actually created more of a like a business type account which is where a lot of my colleagues from Intel follow me on and if I'm doing anything like this I usually post about that or if I'm speaking at events I usually post about that but, but then I also have um, a separate platform, which I do on the side, um, which is targeted more towards um, graduates and young professionals and helping them. And I, my largest presence on that is on Instagram. So that's probably a combination of those is why I spend most of my time on Instagram. And then TikTok, I mean, who's not on TikTok these days? It's always in the I'm news. There's always, there's always stuff about it. So I just thought, why don't I just jump on this bandwagon and it's addictive i tell you trust me just because the videos are so, so short you'll just be flipping through you can be on there for hours yeah i have started getting a bit addicted to instagram reels i have to say yeah. which i think a lot of the tiktok videos are posted on there so yeah it's um yeah you can just waste an hour just going through those things oh, i do i do <laughs> i don't know how i've got time to waste really <laughs> so how is um so when you when you uh, started at intel and you took over the employee advocacy program. I'd love to 
understand like what you know what the program was like when you started like and you know and and what you've done since and and all of the great stuff that I imagine has come from it um yeah so good question so well so I've 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 only been in the role since I joined Intel four years ago but I've only been in this specific role since pretty much the beginning of the year I've been involved with the program for for a bit longer but I'm I'm part of the uh, internet of things group at Intel and originally, and originally, the program started off in kind of like a sub segment of the Internet of Things group, and it kind of stemmed from. And actually, to be honest, internally, it's we don't we we wouldn't really call it employee advocacy. It's more, you know, employee development. It's more about how can we build our employees' personal brands. This is essentially about them. It's not really about us. And then, obviously, of course, once you know when you have happy employees, there are they are more empowered to share share Intel related content as well as their own. So it's more of like an employee development thing for us. Um, but it really stemmed due to COVID because prior to COVID, um, we did a lot of physical events, we did a lot of physical speakerships, and then obviously COVID happened and we couldn't do any of that. So one of my um, one of my colleagues, she. Um, she'd come from a previous company who'd had quite a large program like this and she decided to essentially pitch this idea and implement it which I was one of the core team members um, she moved on at the beginning of the year which is then I kind of took over the role and in terms of what we've done um, we've done well, we've done quite a lot of things I'm not really sure where to start um, but let me think. So we've done loads of things. So originally we kicked off like a pilot, which was just a group of about 20 people just to see how the program would work. Uh, we created a ton of um, resources ourselves on all things, absolutely everything, essentially for people of all different comfort levels, whether that be, you know, how to create a LinkedIn profile to how to post to how to write a blog to, I don't know, pretty much everything. We also have like our own internal training platform. So there was already specific trainings on that as well. So we did that. Um, we host like kind of weekly sessions where people share their journeys. So like share their thought leadership journeys, essentially, as well as we also give some specific training and tips and stuff like that. Um, so we do a lot of things, but hopefully that's just a little bit of a summary. Wow. I've written so many notes here. I know I was looking at you, but I was writing that I probably can't read my writing now. But um, so you start, you said there was a pilot um, mm -hmm. and did they all start from different levels then? Were they, were you, did you have some complete beginners right through to some quite advanced? Yeah. So yeah, that's, I guess for me, that's probably been one of the um, more challenging aspects just due to the variety of everyone's comfort level. Mm. It is extremely varied. I would say that we have more, I would say most people are beginner to kind of intermediate. We have less people that are advanced. Obviously we have some people, um, so yeah, that's definitely been a challenge figuring out, you know, the right support that each person needs. Um, but yeah, some people, you know, didn't even have a LinkedIn profile or they had a LinkedIn profile, but they hadn't posted it or, you know, they had one, but they didn't even have a profile picture. We had some people that post, but it's maybe like once every six months. And, you know, if they do, they're kind of just sharing a link without even saying anything um and then also we have some people who are regular posters who write blogs regularly or are like super active on twitter and have quite a large following so yes that has been very interesting um each person's journey and each person's comfort level is yeah interesting 
So how do you, how do you manage the comms around a program like that when you've got so many different personas and and obviously Intel being such a massive corporation and I imagine there's ambitious plans for the program mm -hmm. uh, and it's very much you know the kind of current and future of of uh, uh, of marketing um, you know to, to be able to generate employee generated content rather than just speaking from the brand. Um, mm -hmm. How did you approach the program communications and try to get all of the right kind of components of the program together? Um, that's a good question, and I'm I'm not exactly sure, you know, what what I can say live and what I can't. Um, but obviously, in I'll just talk briefly about com communicating. I guess in terms of communications, um, we did look at the different communication channels because obviously, like. I mean, I don't know about you, I'm sure you do, but I get so many emails a day, right? So, you know, how, how are we going to get the word out there? So at, at Intel, we use um, Microsoft Windows. So, um, you know, we have a SharePoint site where we host all of the information and we host all the sessions we do. Um, of course, we have the kind of weekly and bi-weekly training sessions so we can communicate with people though for those. We have, um, you know, different checkpoints. So mid-year, quarterly checkpoints just to see where we're at. Um, so, yeah, there's, I, I don't want to say anything that I can't. <laughs> so no, no, sure. Like, they, 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 share, share, share what, you're, what you're happy. I mean, I guess just from a gen, general standpoint, there's obviously exec comms that can, can fit into this. There's mm -hmm. subject matter expert advocacy. Mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. the wider employees. And, and there's also you know, taking senior leadership with you and getting sponsors from there. And so, you know, uh, and I was just talking about it earlier on, actually, a few hours ago, about how big employee advocacy can seem, but that if it's broken down into segments, it can seem manageable, mm -hmm. you know, with some different outcomes. And and so I, I, I'm, it, it's just interesting to, to, to know what component parts there are and um, and the kind of culture of the program, I guess. Um, yeah, so let me have a think. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'm answering your question, um, but I guess for us, uh, Tim, I guess the program that we have, it's probably maybe a little bit different to typically some of the other stuff. Um, because like I said, it's more like, it's more employee focused, it's more employee development focused. So obviously to, to have the program, we had executive buy-in, right? And one of the, um, one of the departments that we collaborate quite closely with is our marketing team, but essentially like it's it's kind of driven by the business unit in this sense at the moment. So we have various different internal departments that we collaborate with. Um, but essentially it's, you know, it's it's for the employees. And I was just about to say something, but I can't remember. Oh, but I think that's amazing that you're, <laughs> you that you talk about it as employee development, because yeah. actually I love the fact that you've just called it that. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Because, I, yeah, go no, on. I was just going to say, because if, you know, to me, I think employee advocacy, it's like, it, it, I don't really like the name, to be honest, for me, because it's like, if for people to want to do something, there has to be something in it for them, right? Whereas to me, the name employee advocacy seems very company focused, whereas, you know, there's something in it for both of us, essentially, because obviously, we're helping empower employees and build their personal brand, which they're going to reap lots of benefits from, but they happen to work for Intel. So I, I think it's, it works for both, but yeah, it's very, um, and I'll get, I'll get my wrist slapped if I don't, if I call it anything different, probably as well. Um, no, that, that's very much our focus. That's what it is. 
I'm loving the TikTok conversation going on the side. I don't know if you've seen that. No, about see it. Where is it? Oh, you go into the comments tab and then people can talk to us. So you can, um, people can put in some comments and Alicia says she's too old for TikTok, but I know <laughs> Estefano's big into it. So um, Nisha, you've said you've tried to avoid it as well. It's leaking over to Instagram, guys. So yes, I don't think we is. can avoid it. Um, I've got a few more questions yes. for you, actually, Shoshana. Um, what about, so how do, Oh, well, first, are they technical employees that you've got on this program or can it just be anyone in the company that wants to build an expert brand? Yeah, so essentially it's anyone. We have a mi mixture of um, kind of technical experts, um, business related people, subject matter experts, etc. So it's it's really a mixture of, of everyone, essentially. And did they come to you or did you go to them or was it a bit of both? So it's like, oh, you know. We can help. So it was it was it's pretty much voluntary. So we, okay. we have this program, we have these resources, you know, do you want to do this? Do you want to get your name out there and position yourself as a subject matter in your field or in an area that you're passionate about? And if you would like to, then, you know, come on board. But nobody, nobody's forced, essentially. I've got one more question and I'll be quiet, Tim, because they all kind of come together. So before Tim takes off in another direction. So then my final question is, does the employee come and say it might not it might be a topic of interest that's not relating to their job. So it might be that they're interested in diversity and inclusion or mm -hmm. they might be, you know, a whiz in, in a certain piece of technology or they might be, you know. So do, do, how do you map the topics that intel want to get their brand behind but also the way or do you bother mapping and you just say do you know what we don't care really but obviously as long as it's not around baking and totally unrelated to a professional capacity or yeah so at the beginning of the year we have like set we have like set specific themes for like an intel perspective so they're usually like and um, so for example within I, I my group we have different um industries that we focus on so one of them is the retail industry one of them is the banking industry for, so for each of those segments we have specific themes that we kind of lay out and we've mapped out um so that people can gain inspiration from those and usually you know people that's people's job right so they are actually inclined to post about it because it benefits them but also, you know, we don't tell people what to say. We literally, we just empower them with the tools. So if you have something to say or you want to create content, this is how you can do it. These are the best practices. We can help you. But ultimately, obviously, we have like rules within Intel. Um, if you're posting something about Intel, then you have to disclose it. So we obviously, we enforce that, you know, we enforce things like that. But yeah, people, people are free to post whatever they want. So if somebody joins the program and, you know, they're not super passionate about IoT, but they're really passionate about, I don't know, like what you said, STEM or diversity inclusion, they can absolutely be part of the program and we'll, we'll help them to do that, really. Gosh, that's fabulous. No, no, I think, I think it, a lot of employee advocacy programs seem like they're brand focused, but someone's saying, well, how can it work for employees as well? But yours is very much, you know, obviously, uh, it originates you know with the employee at the at the heart of it um which I, think I think it's is fantastic authentic as well because we're not pushing a narrative we're not saying oh you have to post this but if people are posting about things that they generally care about then their name is going to get out there and then ultimately people are going to see that they work at intel right and they're actually passionate about what they're posting about yeah no i i think that's amazing and and i've got a burning question yeah. uh which has kind of shown up maybe Sarah's and my generation, um, you know, more in that, you know, we... What are you saying? 
yeah, I have to be careful. I paused because I had to be careful about this. Um, I'm, on th- I'm on thin ice. But w- what I'm interested in is Instagram, TikTok for B2B. Uh, you know, obviously anyone coming through uh, your joining Intel is going to be, you're very, very familiar with Instagram and that's probably going to be one of their main channels. Mm-hmm. And your B2B is quite often around LinkedIn or Twitter yeah. or that's yeah. kind of been the legacy, mm-hmm. obviously to a greater or lesser extent in different countries and different regions. Mm-hmm. So wh- what do you think about Instagram and TikTok for B2B and you know how much debate is there around the different channels and empowering oh good question that's a really good question I mean in terms of the like training materials that we've created they are mainly centered around LinkedIn and TikTok we do have little bits around Instagram and TikTok but the main ones that we focus on are LinkedIn and um, Twitter um for Instagram for B2B I, it's very interesting um you know what I don't know but I know that I use Instagram a lot and if I see something that is relevant to me when I'm scrolling from a personal side then you know I'm going to follow up on that so I don't think that's a very good answer well I think no I think I think you have answered in that well I mean my, my feelings are and I, I you know, it's ju- just a thought is that you know it's obviously in five or ten years if if a lot of the people that whose whose channels are say Instagram and TikTok and they're in the in the key decision maker roles and they decide to move away yeah, from great. LinkedIn, for example, yeah. then naturally you know the 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 end buyers are somewhere else. But yeah. but obviously that's going to take time. So I I feel confident that in ten years time you know that's probably going to you know just just be normal. But mm-hmm. at the moment, obviously more senior buyers we would say are on LinkedIn and a lot of the industry experts and influencers are on Twitter Mm -hmm. and some of the key decision makers so I don't know it's it's a mix at the moment isn't it but it's a kind of complex mix yeah and go on sorry I was just gonna say I see a lot of leaders on Instagram so a lot of CEOs tend to be on there you know because it's a culture channel isn't it it's a place to represent what you stand for as a person and a business Mm -hmm. and um, no, go on, Shoshana, what you can No, say. I was going to say, and I kind of, well, just adding to that point, I kind of, I, to be honest, I think LinkedIn is turning a bit more like this. But obviously, at the beginning, everyone said, oh, LinkedIn, LinkedIn is, you know, a professional tool. It's purely a professional tool. But as like the years and months have gone on, I'm starting to see a lot more, you know, personal content, which for me, I love and I think is so relatable. And whenever I do post on LinkedIn, the you know the raw genuine content is always what does better it's not like a wishy-washy company post I tend to just gloss over those so I think I think that's a really good point Sarah and I think that is why people like Instagram but it is coming over to LinkedIn as well and the other point I was going to say is to Tim's point I I completely agree with what you said like as time goes on and decision makers that now I mean people that are now using TikTok are going to be the decision makers but also I think I don't know about you. It maybe it contradicts what I just said, but a lot of my LinkedIn LinkedIn feed at the moment, it's just all of the same stuff. Like I've seen the same polls regurgitated by about ten different people. Whereas when it's video content, it's a lot harder to duplicate. So when I'm on Instagram and LinkedIn, you know, I'm I don't really see. I mean, when I'm on Instagram and TikTok, I don't see the same things because it's videos, and I find videos a lot easier to consume. So I I think they are the way forward. And LinkedIn, you. People do post videos, but I don't think they have as much reach at the moment on LinkedIn, at least from what I've seen. Yeah, 
So I think anybody watching this, expect Tim's TikTok account to be launching <laughs> next week. <laughs> I did. I just did an embarrassing. I've only done one TikTok video, and that was when my my partner's nieces, her nieces, roped me into it, where I just walked um, <laughs> ten meters, like, and tried to sort of you know, copy what they were doing, and that was my only ever. <laughs> uh, dabble in TikTok, which is just really embarrassing. Um, oh, so we need to find that. <laughs> I, I, I do think there's such a misconception about TikTok, though, because everyone thinks it's just dancing videos, but it's not. There's loads of educational content on there. There's like teachers that are sharing with other teachers how they plan their lessons and how they set up their classroom. There's people like me oh. in my spare time. I share um, career content. So for young professionals, like how can you develop your career? So it is, it's not just dance videos. I think it was at first, but now it's, it's a whole variety of things. Yeah. I, I, I think you're, you're bang on with, with the educational element and it's got such a big part of TikTok. And, and actually you were, you know, you, you talked about, um, yeah, we, you, you've been very successful at building community. I know that that's in, in a kind of a non-work capacity. Could you could you talk a bit about like how you achieve that? Because I think you achieved a community of seven thousand you know, graduates and young people in in six months. Is that correct? Um, well, yeah, uh, yes, I believe so. I'm guessing you got that from my LinkedIn. I need to update it. It's now I think ten thousand, but yeah. Um, so but you achieved you achieved that in six months, and then now it's grown to even. Yeah. even more so you you obviously have used social channels to really build community and and whether this is a in business or you know outside of business it's it's about building social community and i think that is an amazing thing that you've done there and i, I would love to hear some just you know how you did that and and some tips um yeah so i guess in terms of well maybe if I, in terms of tips i mean i think for me I would say the one thing that's been really important to me and the one thing where I really saw growth is consistency. So I said to myself, like, you know, look, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to post every day and see what happens. And once you're in the rhythm, it's really easy. But consistency is so important. And I try to tell people this a lot at Intel because a lot of people are posting for the first time and then they're wondering like oh why didn't you know why didn't my post go viral and yes that does happen to some people but for most people it just it just doesn't happen and you do need to be consistent and over time uh, and also the algorithms pick, pick up right that you're posting consistently so they favor your content especially if you're posting at the same time of day they feed off of that and they're likely to show your content to more people um, so I think consistency for me, and I don't know if you know her, um, she's called Patricia Bright. She's like a businesswoman and she's like a, she started off as like a beauty influencer. She did a podcast episode with um, Stephen Bartlett, which I was listening to, and it was how she was talking about um, her road to like a million followers. And it took her seven years of posting every single day. And looking at her page now, you just never think that. But that to me, that's that's what consistency is. And, you know, it's, I think it's a long game, essentially. So I think my top tip would be consistency. My second tip would be really understanding, like, what your audience actually want. So one of the main things I do is I have a content plan. I map out all my posts. Um, after each post, I'll, 
I'll record the, you know, engagement, views, etc. And then when I'm looking for future content ideas, obviously I have that data. So from that, I can pull out the key themes that perform best. And then, of course, serve, you know, continue to serve that content. So I think that's another really important thing as well. And I'm trying to think of something else. I think probably but, those are my two main tips. I love the. We had one other person, I think uh, Ben Arnold from from Oracle, who recorded all the stats on each one of his posts in a majorly analytical way, mm -hmm. um, but has built community as well, and and is doing is doing very very well. So there's something about the the planning and the content plan and knowing what performs better and. Uh, and less well because the, you know being creative and analytical and being able to plan is a pretty potent mix when you're building building content platforms and community yeah absolutely i would agree i was just thinking on that consistency because a lot of people will say you know how often should i post when should i post and i'm thinking well how much time can you give to it because really if you can do once a week it's better that you do it once a week if that's what you've got time for rather than every day for one week and then you forget about it for six months. So I think you've absolutely hit on a point there um, about consistency. And also I feel like what a lot of people forget is you can actually schedule your posts. So you can get like Hootsuite for free and you can schedule all your LinkedIn posts, take like a day to just schedule everything for the next month. And then it just pops out for you. And all you need to do is the engagement on your post. Obviously you may want to change a few things. There is going to be some variation because the stuff that you're posting about, you do want it to be topical. But, you know, I know a lot of people that do that and it works really well for them. So you don't yeah. have to physically post every day. You can schedule it. That's a great, great tip. And and your point, Tim, about, you know, being creative, but also having appreciation, analytical and creative at the same time to really understand. Mm -hmm. um, I did want to just jump back uh, to something you said earlier, actually. Sorry, mm -hmm. I'm sort of jumping around all the time. But you say about, you know, you enable people to create their own content and show them mm -hmm. how and that. But do you, in marketing, actually help them? So is there a little bit of budget that you put alongside to help them write, to help them create, to help them, you know, or is it just enablement? How does that work? So at the, obviously, so obviously we have, like we have a marketing team and we work closely with them on certain things. At the moment, there's no specific budget behind, we don't write things for other people because again, it comes back to the authenticity. I personally can tell when something is written by someone else. Um, and you know, that's just, it's just not, it's just not what we're after. Um, the type of things that we maybe might invest in and we are willing to invest in is, you know, for example, you know as we're coming back to covid or as virtual events have risen we know that probably our employees are going to be doing a lot more speakerships can we invest in them to have you know some speech training or public speaking training and stuff like that or we have a um completely like employee-led podcast we have called to the edge and beyond and we work with a production company that produces that and obviously there's some investment behind that but um no we don't write things for other people oh, that's great no and it comes back to the authenticity word which i'm so glad you said because we have one of those people say that every single time That's it, it, what we it, like. it's a bit like a bingo moment uh, we is. always say we're, so we needed some prop to like ring a bell or i'm gonna or get a bell every time someone says it you <laughs> see how many times it's mentioned in each uh, in each interview <laughs> I, I guess what what i'm fascinated by is because you said that the the future is video or obviously video content performs better than than just text posts mm -hmm. 
and you know when you know Sarah and I have done a lot of work in in B two B tech, and sometimes the content you know is a bit boring. Sometimes it needs to be animated, uh, and you know really large companies obviously produce a lot of branded content. You've got a wonderful employee development program. Mm -hmm. How do you bring technical experts into into create video content? Is there is that one of the key focuses on on empowering them? It's so I guess from well, so one of the things, you know, one of the things we do is obviously we are encouraging people to create video content. We give them the figures. This is you know, this is what's performing best. These are the best practices. These are the tools that we have. These are the tools that you can use. Um, we do that. And and actually, no. And we also we are we are kind of because um, the product, the production company that we actually work with, they have a tool which is like a studio tool. Um, where you can record like 60 second sound bites essentially and you click submit and then once you click submit they like edit them for you they can put like the intel logo if you want and if you don't want it then you can't so we have things like that um but did i answer your question i, feel no, like I, 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 I think i think that studio <laughs> tool is a is a really really good idea and and i think that i know from just you know our own experience i think getting people might have things to say and then they've worked it out, but then to create a video and to publish it on social mm -hmm. and yeah. for that to be something that people are happy with, that the brand, you know, follows the brand guidelines and, uh, and everything like that is sometimes a step too far for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So you know, it doesn't need to be professionally produced, but actually you put something on where I imagine they're quite proud of the outcome after they've done that. Yeah, and also for them, it's like it's relatively effortless because all they need to do is log on to this tool, click record, click submit, and then it just gets sent somewhere where it essentially edits it to them. Then they get sent it back and they can do it. That's just one option, of course. You know, they can use their phone, etc. But that's been a tool that's been really good, especially, for example, you know, we have different themes or we have different key events that we might be attending. Um, on this tool, you can also... Um, you can invite people so I could have like a question like what are you most looking forward to about attending I don't know money 2020 and I could send it to like five or ten people to then record their response and then when they click yes it then goes and gets edited and obviously it has the question box that they're answering so that you can do like quite good event promo as well obviously people you know we don't have to but people quite like doing it it's something new and when the videos have been posted on LinkedIn they've done quite well because it's just something a little bit different yeah, social content is, I think it's going to be huge, actually, creating and repurposing content for social channels that's engaging, authentic, real, by real people, not mm -hmm. some paid for voice or over or something like that. It's mm -hmm. fascinating. But uh, I, I really, I really love the fact that you can ask a question to a few people and they can easily engage with it. And then it becomes social content because everyone's happy to have a conversation just like this. I mean, it, it, if we weren't live, then we could just have a nice conversation. But turning mm -hmm. that into content is, is, is always tricky. Mm -hmm. And I imagine this is, this is absolutely perfect with this sort of frictionless model. Yeah. yeah, no, it's really good. I really like it. I really like the tool. So, so um, what about you going back to you and your what can you tell because the folks that are watching this and also by the way if you've got a question for Shoshana just pop it in the comments but um what's your routine what what what's your typical are, do you schedule things for the week month ahead and then you focus on engagement where do you find your content inspiration as you as an individual so 
Um, I'd, I sound like a massive hypocrite. At the moment, I'm not actually scheduling anything. I keep telling myself I need to because I'm wasting <laughs> so much time posting on multiple channels, but I'm not. Just I think just for me, because I've not fi- found the right content scheduling tool, because at the moment, to my knowledge there's not a tool out there that schedules on LinkedIn Instagram and TikTok in one tool I just I've not found it if I can then please tell me and I'll schedule away (laughs) I've not found it um but in terms of like my social media routine um in the morning I usually dedicate like about 20 minutes um just to like engaging with different accounts and individuals within my niche and also like replying to comments and stuff like that um I then usually post this isn't on LinkedIn this is more Instagram um just in case anyone goes on my LinkedIn profile you only posted once last week um I usually I usually post every day um at at the same time at about 1 p.m at the moment I'm kind of just experimenting what times actually work best for me and Instagram is a bit of a tricky one because even when I experiment there's it doesn't seem like there's much consistency at the moment I don't know if it's just me but I usually post at 1 p.m every day um and on a Sunday evening is when I kind of plan all my content for the week I kind of map out my content calendar I'm looking at you know what's performed um well previously what is topical right now so obviously you know there's all I think topical things are actually really good for example last week and even at the moment everyone's talking about um squid games and I I actually haven't watched it so I couldn't do any content on it because you know it wouldn't be authentic but if I had have watched it that would have been a perfect example of something I could have created so usually I'm kind of looking at what topical as well that I can integrate so yeah I create all my content on Sunday evening then I post it um and obviously then I'm like I said before I'm just I'm tracking the metrics and I'm tracking the data I think you also asked about in terms of like content inspiration, Sarah. So I think, yeah, there's a few things. Um, So I would say I really like, um, what's it called? I really like Answer the Public. I don't know if you know that. It's so good. You can like type in any topic and it tells you like, this is what people are searching. So there's so many content ideas within that. Like if you can't think of anything to write about, go on Answer the Public, type in, I don't know, retail technology. And it comes up with like the most common questions about that topic that have been asked by Google and you create content on that. So I think that's really good. And I also quite like Google Trends as well. It's it's slightly similar, but obviously it's owned by Google. So it may be a bit more accurate. So I really like those. I think those are my content inspirations as well as places just like Twitter and social media in itself, right? Because you can see what's trending, what's current and get ideas from that as well. Lots of tips. I tell you what I love about uh, about your perspective is that it it feels very real, and you know what works and what doesn't because you live and breathe social media. Rather than uh, I think someone learning social media and trying to run a program, you know, from a brand's perspective, which which just has a very different feel to what you're doing. You're you're finding the really cool tools that create content and develop employees and come at it from a really a really nice angle so uh i think that that's that that's really good to see and uh, and it's sometimes different from uh, other wonderful guests that we've uh had on but are just coming from a different place and sometimes the culture of their programs are, uh that they've inherited are just different and they've got different challenges mm-hmm. 
No, it's good. But I think that's because one of the questions we were going to ask you is when did you have your breakthrough moment on social media? But you said very much at the start, I've kind of grown up with this stuff, you know, I've not known any different. And yeah. but you must have there must have been a point, though, when you thought, hold on, social for like outside of work. And there, there's a different side to social in the workplace or not. Did it added that work? You know how you made the bridge? Um. Do you know what? Again, I've been I've been using LinkedIn for a really long time. I've been using LinkedIn, well, not a really long time actually, but I've been using LinkedIn since I was like in my first year of university, which actually wasn't that long ago. But I think for most people, they don't start using LinkedIn until you know they're working. Yeah. So I've I've and LinkedIn's a relatively new platform, right? So I've seen the platform grow, I've seen the platform develop, I know all the different features. So it's just I kind of back to again I feel like I have honestly grown up with it Mm. who is it that we spoke to before Tim that used LinkedIn at university because you're absolutely right Shoshana that most people do think oh right I've got to get a job now better get on LinkedIn but they didn't who was that I can't remember that we spoke to can you remember but uh there was I'm just trying to think of her name it's on the tip of my tongue but Mm. you, you mean how she used it to to basically find the right companies for her yeah yeah, oh, and get LinkedIn. her first role. Get her this, first role. She was yeah, on it this, from the start. Yeah, for my like outside of work stuff, this is literally what I preach to everyone. I think obviously this isn't super relevant. It's kind of relevant to B two B, but like LinkedIn is so amazing, and I just talk about it all the time because I can't think of before LinkedIn. How on earth would you have found me? How would you? Con- you can contact anyone at any single company anywhere in the world. You can find find out where they work, what their name is. You can message them. You can. It's amazing, honestly. And that's why I, t- I say that to everyone. And even just the, the way you can find people. Like, when I, if I'm working with, like, a graduate who can't find a job, I'm just like, look, go onto your university's LinkedIn page, click alumni, type in marketing or type in the company that you want to work for. It's going to bring you up, like, 50 search results of alumni that work, that work at this company that you want to work at. Go and contact them because you already have something in common with them and they're probably going to want to help you. It's just amazing, honestly, in that sense. I think it's so great. And you can also do that from a B2B side, but authentically, because I get way too many spam LinkedIn emails and I ignore them because they're annoying. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. I think you've just won some points with LinkedIn after we first started. That's true. (laughs) The LinkedIn office has calmed down now. They're just sort of back to normal. So I, I love what you said then. Just interestingly, uh, in your first year of uni, um, what what made you create a LinkedIn account when other, hmm. you know, other friends of yours didn't? Um, good question. I just, I think, I just was reading. I heard about it. I heard that it was like the professional platform that you needed to be on. And th- I guess this is a bit personal, but um, like I. I didn't do that well at school because I didn't really enjoy it. So I got into university through clearing because I didn't have the grades kind of from the beginning. I I felt that I needed to overcompensate if I was going to do anything with my life, essentially. So I was always very on it and proactive. And it really actually worked for me because when I was in my final year, I was getting found by recruiters about all of these jobs and like, you know, I got invited to interviews at like Amazon, Facebook and got offers, etc. Just literally, and I wasn't even posting at that point. I just had a profile and it said open to recruiters. And I genuinely don't think many people my age, and this was like four or five years ago, by the way, but I just don't think many people my age had that. Um, 
so I think that was that was what inspired me the fact that I you know needed to do something to make myself stand out that is a fabulous story oh thank you for sharing that because I I don't think many people that is I think that's really inspiring for others and look at this now you're in a role where you are helping other people to build their brand and see see the potential that comes with it yes you know it's kind of led you to the role that you're in that's yeah, incredible. Yeah, thank you. Love it. Amazing. So yeah, yeah, I, th- I think you've obviously you know, used it really successfully, and I, and I think that probably more people. I imagine it's taught within universities that they need to get on LinkedIn a bit earlier now that the, it's it's more of a content platform. But um, so I, I imagine that the that there'll be more user adoption of the platform at an earlier age. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. It's surprising that that you were one of the only people of your peers to do that, and and kudos to you because you've obviously put in the right keyword search terms to be found, yeah. and quite often that's that's part of the key, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, maybe we're going slightly off topic. If we are, then just pull me back in the right direction. But like what you said, I think it is taught more at university to go on LinkedIn, but like it's not taught how to use it properly, I don't think, because a lot of the people, and which is why I do my stuff on the side, but a lot of the people that are in those positions, you know, they've not been looking for a job for several years or they've been out of the industry for like, you know, 10 plus years. So it's like they know that you need to be on LinkedIn, but they're not necessarily as up to date as to what you do with it. And I think that's why I do what I do. Amazing. It is. It's a really good story. Um, what what advice would you give to someone? So going back to your thought leadership enablement uh, type role and how you support employee development, what advice would you give to someone maybe that's watching this that you think, um, oh, I've always wanted to step into that. I share, I engage on LinkedIn. I've got a good network. I'd love to start creating my own content, but, you know, don't know anything. I don't know what to say. I'm worried people might pick me apart. What would your bit of advice be? Oh, I mean, for the work, for the like, what people worry they might pick me apart I think that's something that everyone thinks but you know like just who who cares people if I like to think if people have something negative to say then you're clearly doing something right um and you know also a lot of the time the people that have negative things to say they're not your target audience so who cares what they say some of my friends don't understand why I'm doing what I do but they're not my target audience so it doesn't really matter to me what obviously I care what my friends think but you know what I mean they're not who I'm targeting um but I think I guess if it's someone just starting out obviously everybody has their own comfort levels depending on you know depending on their background so I would say start small is a good thing even if it's just setting up your LinkedIn profile or maybe identifying some thought leaders to follow in your industry and even just commenting on their posts because even just commenting on their post, that can be super impactful because if you can comment on someone's post and leave a really, you know, insightful thought or add a unique perspective and other people see that, then they're going to want to follow you and they're going to want to connect with you. So you don't have to just be posting right away. Um, So I would say start small. And I think with that, comfort kind of comes over time. But whatever you choose, just be consistent at it. And I think a good example is um, there's someone in my program at Intel and... um, Obviously, COVID happened and he's, he's not he's never been confident with public speaking, um, but he was confident with writing. So he started writing blogs and white papers um, and they actually got um, picked up by Intel um, for being really valuable. And then he then got invited to 
become press trained and within that that press training involved like public speaking training and stuff like that and of course now he's confident in public speaking and he does it all the time um so just from that like you know he's now able to overcome his fear and I think the final thing I would say is a lot of the people that I speak to at Intel they like compare themselves to other people and I always say um what was it don't compare your day one with somebody else's day like 5,000 or 500 because just because someone has loads of followers they could have been doing it for seven years like Patricia Bright you don't know and don't let that stop you because I do feel like social media can be quite an overwhelming place and you know some people especially when you know they post like I said before they're like oh why didn't it go viral etc but it doesn't really matter I would say at the beginning even if one person liked your post like that's one person that you helped or that found valuable and that's better than zero if you're not posting at all so obviously metrics are important but I think at the beginning don't get too caught up in them because you know they can be vanity metrics right just because you have a million followers doesn't mean a million people are going to engage engage with your post or a million people interested in your post it's always a lot a lot less percentage and sometimes the people with less followers they have a lot more of an engaged community and that's actually a lot more effective so that would be my top tips i think yeah, I think, I think that's really good inspiration. And even if you get zero likes, it people have still viewed it uh, sometimes. It's, it's just the lurkers, and there's actually quite a lot of them uh, around, or more than people think. Um, uh, Alicia left a comment. She said that LinkedIn was never mentioned once at her business management university course, but uh, she went to university 15 years ago, I think. So um, oh, I'm joking, Alicia. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. Say, I'm joking. I just roasted her on LinkedIn Live. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, <laughs> I thought I'd just oh, spice it up a bit. Um, I love no, that. Yeah, she's, Alicia, pressing the, she's pressing the cancel Ali button now. Alicia's yeah, on a couple, years, couple of years out of university. Um, anyway, <laughs> so I think I think we probably have to wrap up there because we've been 45 minutes <laughs> chatting already, but it's been amazingly inspirational. Um, Shoshana, thank you so much for coming on. I really I really love the, 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 the name of your program and the focus. I think that has just fueled oh. all of the conversation. Really enjoyed chatting to you. Thank yeah. you. I've enjoyed Thank it as you. well. Yeah, it's been really good. And I think Tim wants to wrap it up before the two minute delay when the next comment comes in from Alicia. So I think he wants yeah, I'm to waiting get for it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Shoshana. Thank you ever so much. It was Thank brilliant. You. Thank you so care. much. Bye and bye. If, you, if you want, well, I was just going to say, if you want to get any more resources from Analytical Tribal Impact, then uh, go to our website and you've got a lot more oh, content yes. that you can download or other uh, interviews that we've done as well. So thank you, Shoshana.